You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Jeff Ryman at SFNSF. Thank you for joining me, Jeff. Oh, my pleasure. Jeff, uh, I really loved your, your work and the way, the, especially the way you read it. Could you talk about reading the stories? You really uh, did a great job at acting them out. I, 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 you know, I think it's, I did a little bit of theater arts training um, at UCLA and, and then I moved on to English literature and then I moved on to doing history because I realized I wanted to write about something and doing arts training would teach me how to do arts, but it wouldn't help me give me anything to write about. So, so I guess there's a little bit of that, that acting stuff left, but I'm an old ham. You know, I, I couldn't ever really have been an actor because I'm so hammy. But in, in a context of doing a reading, a little bit of, you know, ham is fine. Now, one of the things I noticed about your your two works, which were have as about as different, I think, as two pieces of, of writing could be, was you both in both those works, we get a kind of a view of culture uh, from a distance, I guess with a separation, could you talk about that kind of, and I think that the one of the things that science fiction does is allow us to look at culture at a distance through a filter. Yeah, I think it very much, very much so. I mean, a good piece of science fiction is about either our culture um, changed dramatically or indeed just being immersed suddenly dropped down into a, 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 a culture and we have to gradually build up a picture of what kind of society this is and where we are, and that's, yeah, what science fiction is about. I think those two pieces are also about, um, in, within their own worlds, uh, uh, two, two people coming together who are very, very, very different, and, you know, it would be very easy to have misunderstandings, and yet, as always, good intentions sometimes, you know, and the fact human beings like each other, you know, it wins through and, and you have some kind of connection in the two pieces I read tonight. But yeah, culture clash and the way to, to people from different cultures can completely just not get each other is something I like writing about, mainly because it's so tense. It can, it, it's, it's the worst kind of conflict because the people can't even grapple with it. They just don't get what each other is saying or doing. Now, you're known for, if I'm not mistaken, for being a proponent of something called Mundane SF? Okay, yeah, Mundane SF. Um, it's kind of, uh, it's a little bit like Hard SF in that we, we kind of, you know, would privilege science and science fiction. But it came about because I was at a, a two clarions in a row which had um, people who were very scientifically literate, in fact, had come out of the sciences. But they were um, not like the hard science fiction writers um, that I'd already met and respected, like Greg Bear and Gregory Benford, they were actually, you, if you wanted to characterize them, pretty very firmly of the left, and also had worked out to their satisfaction that maybe intergalactic empires, maybe colonizing Earth-type planets was, in fact, very unlikely, and that, as far as they were concerned, we needed to be dealing with the future um, that was much more based here on Earth. And um, they, they were talking about that a lot. And I also saw that the way they were thinking and, and writing and being, it, it wasn't something that there was, I, um, I didn't feel there was room for them in science fiction as then constituted. Um, and uh, uh, so as a joke a bit, I wrote the Monday Manifesto, 
which was a list of rules of things we weren't going to have in stories, which wasn't a critical theory. It wasn't anything other than a game, really. And, you know, it, what came out of it is what came out of it. And Mundane SF, it does refocus on Earth. And it, 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 what's come out of it now is I'm much more interested in, in, in just, you know, the science and science fiction full stop. And, um, so I'm, I'm working on an anthology where I brought together British writers, not all of them science fiction writers, and uh, scientists at the University of Manchester. And, and it's a series of collaborations between scientists and writers to get stories with you know, good science in the mill that make use of current research. Um, and, and I'm hoping that'll be, we should be getting uh, that all pulled together um, in December of this year or January. And uh, that'll appear in a small press in, in England. And, uh, which which press? Uh, it's called Comma Press, and the the uh, in honor of Joanna Russ, the uh, the collection's called When It Changed, and it's uh, uh, it's it's got some good people in it. I mean, it's, we've got people like uh, well, so far uh, Gwyneth Jones and Ken McLeod and Annie McDonald. Um, so some very very good Justine Robson, very good British science fiction writers, and some mainstream writers as well. To sort of uh, about sixteen writers in all, and we've commissioned the stories. So that's one of the projects. One of the things that interests me about mundane science fiction just as a concept is that we often think of science fiction, that when we hear that phrase, our mind conjures up futuristic fantasies. But science fiction can be just fiction about science, and that really expands the boundaries of the genre. Yeah, and, and for most people in the future, life will be every day, only it won't be our every day. And uh, the trick of writing science fiction anyway is to, you're in the future or in a, another reality than this one, uh, and you've got a story of individuals there, and you've got to tell the story of this whole world that we're in anyway. How do you how do you choose a story that is is actually individual, and 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 uh, about that time and that place that links up to that time and that place? Because you could retell Romeo and Juliet on Mars, but you might wonder why you'd bother to do that. You know, um, so it's in, in mundane science fiction, um, you are looking to tell stories of everyday life in in future times and not necessarily near future times. But then you've still got the problem of, well, okay, great, why have you picked this person to exemplify this world or show us this world? You know, what, what is your purpose in doing that? And it's, it's the challenge of writing a good story in, in settings that aren't real. Could you talk about the challenge of creating characters who are real in settings that aren't real? Oh, God. That's, that's the killer. That's the other killer, because uh, what you'd have to do almost is copy your own experience onto the future. And, you know, one of the embarrassments of reading a story that's 25 years old is not just the technology is wrong, but the kinds of people you're writing about, have, they've moved on. And that's, a, that's the other challenge, is, is you know, and I, I think a really great piece of science fiction, 50 or 60 or 70 years later, will have one moment in it that's convincingly futuristic. Um, when the robot Maria stands up in Metropolis, you say, yeah, we're in the future. The Frau Mond, it's the first countdown on film. You're thinking, yeah, that's the future. You're probably only given one moment when you get it right. But uh, at that point, I think it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in cyberpunk because, I mean, Gibson himself said, you know, we've been with the cyberpunk world. We've been with information technology since the 40s. We only now know what all that stuff we were getting into in the 40s with banking and radio was leading. And because now where we are, we can now understand the past. 
And I kind of think that science fiction copies the future onto the uh, copies the past onto the future, and really good science fiction allows us to understand that past better. It, it, it takes stock of where we've gone, and by looking ahead at where we're going. But it's actually a way of seriously looking at the our recent past and understanding it. Or it, if it's just entertainment, then you take 17th century samurai Japan and copy it onto a fo uh, alien world and have a lot of fun. And that's the other thing science fiction does well. And I think they're calling us back. So. I've been speaking with Jeff Ryman. Thank you, Jeff. Cheers. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.